The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch rushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What a crazy night of baseball. Jose Altuve hit for the cycle, and Kyle Harrison did something in the majors. He didn't do a single time in the minors this season. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Tuesday, August 29th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scott White. Today on the show, a bunch of fun waiver wire pitchers, but also a bunch of bad pitchers. We'll talk about all of them. <laughs> Huge games for Jose Altuve and Ronald Acuna, and Trey Turner might be back. Before we get started, help us out by liking this video and subscribing on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. Let's jump in. Oh my goodness! Unbelievable. That's the word that we can use to describe Kyle Harrison, Scott. Yes, we can. That thing you referred to that he didn't do all year in the minors was go six innings. He actually went six and a third innings in this start against the Reds, second major league start, six and a third innings. And actually, he only once this year went even five innings in a minor league start. So this was far and away Kyle Harrison's longest start of the year. He struck out 11. He looked dominant. I mean, strikeouts were never an issue in the minors. It was really just, uh, it was really just a matter of efficiency because the walk rate was horrible over six per nine. And, and like I said, he wasn't working deep into games at all. So already in two starts since coming up from the minors, we've seen him have his longest start by four outs We've seen him throw 65% of his pitches for strikes versus 59% in the minors. Average is about 64. So he went from well below average to slightly above average in, in terms of his strike throwing in the majors. And as I mentioned you know, a few times, the, the few times that we have talked about Kyle Harrison, his last two starts in the minors, he issued zero walks. They were still short because all his starts have been short. But zero walks between the two of them seemed like he may have turned a corner 
it was over such a small sample that it was hard to know if it meant anything at all. But the Giants did cite it when they called him up. And now he looks like immediately upon arriving in the majors, he's living up to all the highest expectations that uh, that anyone could have had for Kyle Harrison. So uh, obviously things could change depending on how his next couple starts go. But as of today, with what he's showed us so far in the majors and in particular in this start, I think we should just discard everything we knew about Kyle Harrison and just trust that the Giants knew what they were doing by calling him up what they did and that this is a supremely talented pitcher coming into his own and is going to be a huge fantasy asset down the stretch here. He obviously has a lot of bullets left given how few innings he threw in the minors. Pick him up everywhere. Kyle Harrison. Kyle Harrison, 44% rostered. And one thing I I guess kind of worry about long-term, obviously he's only made two starts. We'll see you know, how he evolves as a pitcher, but he's been mostly a two-pitch pitcher. It's four-seam fastball and a slurve. But that fastball... It looks different than other fastballs. I mean, so far, yeah. it's been incredibly dominant. It's not like he throws it crazy hard. It's, you know, 94, 95 miles per hour, but coming out from the left-hand side, and we might have extension numbers for him on StatCast so far, but just watching that start, it seems like he gets great extension off the mound, and obviously that can help that fastball play up even better. Extremely mm-hmm. confident, just got the ball, just kept pitching. I was watching that start. He, he looked amazing. Uh, as yep. I mentioned, only 44% rostered. He's... He's out there. He's at San Diego this weekend. And then the next two starts after that, if everything stays the way it is, which it's kind of hard to predict this far out, uh, would be the Rockies in San Francisco and the Guardians. So two awesome starts after this week as well coming up for Mm -hmm. Kyle Harrison. We're going to talk about a bunch of other names as well. But I would assume, Scott, that Harrison probably jumps to the top of all waiver wire pitchers that are available Outside of maybe Cole Reagans, what do you think? Yeah, that's the exception. Right. So I've been talking of Cole Reagans as the breakout pitcher of the second half. I mean, Harrison enters that discussion with this start because he has that kind of upside, but it's one start for Harrison versus half a dozen at this point, something like that for for Reagans. So I, 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 I yeah, if, if you're asking me to choose between Reagans and Harrison, I, I would choose Reagans still, but. You're, you should probably add both. You can probably, as many pitchers have fallen off, as many pitchers as have fallen off recently. I mean, Bailey Ober, who was a mainstay all season, he just got optioned to the minors today. Right. Uh, I think in large part just because he's well over his previous career high in innings. But that's just one example of a pitcher you could easily cut for either one of these guys. Christian Javier had another bad start. I think it's time to let him go if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can find a way. I'm sure just about anyone out there has two pitchers they could drop if if that's still even an option. I mean, Reagan's roster rate is probably getting up there at this point. Harrison's is only 44. percent I'm not sure we've mentioned that. He's available in more than half of CBS Sports leagues, so that's uh, everybody should stop what they're doing right now and make sure he's not available in their league because he has extreme upside. You mentioned the fastball. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is the weird angle that he throws it. It's it's good velocity for a left-hander. It's good velocity for somebody who throws it at that weird angle, and it makes it a pretty unhittable pitch for Harrison. That's like the stuff was never a question for Harrison. Yeah, fourteen K per nine in the minors. It's just could he command it well enough to 
that for it to hold up. And so far through two major league appearances, the answer is pretty, uh, a pretty uh, convincing yes. So that's, yeah, Harrison looks like the real deal. I agree with you wholeheartedly on dropping Christian Javier. Another rough outing at the Red Sox. He gave up four runs over four innings. He allowed six walks, 12 base runners in this one. Uh, He's given up five or more walks three different times this season. Three plus walks in four of his last five starts. Christian Javier is still 94% rostered. He's a name I would drop for either Cole Reagans or Kyle Harrison where they're available. And I think another pitcher in that same conversation is Lucas Giolito. Just gave up five more runs over five and two-thirds innings and six starts with the Angels now. A 689 ERA, a 147 whip, 10 home runs allowed in six starts with the Angels. Still 93% rostered. I would also drop him for Kyle Harrison. What do you think, Scott? If it came to it, sure. I, I, I think I think there's more wrong with Javier than there is with Giolito. I think a lot of this was Giolito is just him regressing to the mean. He was overperforming most of this season. His start prior to this one, remember, he had nine strikeouts. He had 22 swinging strikes. So there's there's still enough ability there to, to treat Giolito as, as part of the glob, as somebody you start with the right matchups. Maybe when he's making when he has a two-star week, I understand this would have been... Uh, well, no, he pitches for the Angels, so I guess he's not going to have many two-star weeks. But there's still there there are still times when, like every other pitcher in the glob, Giolito will impress you. I just think Javier is totally messed up right now. I mean, he's not doing anything like we saw last year, or really for his entire career up to this point. I, very consistently prior to this year, Christian Javier was six hits per nine, very uh, very low hit rate a guy who put the ball in the air a lot and missed a lot of bats and it made for very, for few hits. There were times prior to last year when he got in trouble with too many walks, too many home runs, since he does put the ball in the air a lot. But those were, when things went wrong for Javier in the past, those were the issues. Now he's getting hit every start. He's not missing any bats really. And I don't know what it's going to take for him to get back on track, but I'm not at all confident it's going to happen this year. And I'm not sure what it would take for me to become confident in that just an isolated start where he misses a lot of bats. Probably not. So I think it's pretty safe to move on from Javier at this point. All right. My player of the night, Johan Oviedo, who very clearly is a notch below Kyle Harrison, but had an awesome start here on Monday, eighth two hit shutout at the Kansas city Royals. Great call last night, Scott, on uh, to stream or not to stream. You told people. They- I mean, I didn't. I didn't give it with a lot of gusto. I just. I got to chalk that one up to getting lucky. I feel like. Yeah, and I guess there were not many options here on Monday, but Oviedo was one of them. He allowed just two hits, two walks, five strikeouts over a complete game, eleven swinging strikes on 112 pitches, uh, limited the hard contact in this one, only allowed four hard hits. Oddly enough, his fastball velocity was down a little bit, but the curve and changeup were up a little bit for him. He's been very up and down this year. We've seen some dominant stretches from Johan Oviedo. If you look at what he's done in the second half, nine starts, the totality. 317 ERA, a 102 whip, 47 strikeouts, over 54 innings pitched. He is 60% rostered, does have that RP eligibility on CBS as well. Uh, Your thoughts here on Johan Oviedo's complete game. Well, I guess we can give him the honor of including him in the glob at this point with numbers like that in the second half, 317 ERA, 102 whip, as you said. I will point out he has a FIP near five during that same stretch. 
So if you're somebody like Johan Oviedo, being in the glob is an honor. If you're somebody like uh, Lucas Giolito, it's probably a, a, a shameful, shameful title. But what it essentially means is there's no reason to have that much more trust in one versus the other. So you were talking about potentially dropping Giolito. Okay, maybe for somebody as high-end as Harrison, but does it make sense to do it for somebody like Oviedo? Eh. Yeah, I mean, eh, is, I think is the right response. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say definitively no. I think Giolito has a better chance of transcending the glob than Oviedo does, but I don't think either actually will. I think they're both going to be pretty headache-inducing the rest of the way. Uh, so I'm not I'm not especially tied to either one, which is kind of the entire gist of the glob. And as I mentioned with Harrison, I'll try to work this in more again. It's subject to change. The next three starts for Johan Oviedo. He's at the Cardinals this weekend. So if you started him in a weekly lineup league, he's already locked in for that start. Next week, it's looks, it looks like he's at the Braves. Yikes. No thanks. And then the week after that, it would be the Washington Nationals. So... Uh, that's the next three for Johan Oviedo. But I mentioned there were a lot of fun waiver wire pitchers, and let's just kind of throw them all together. Brian Wu turned in the second scoreless outing uh, of his second scoreless outing of the season. He threw six shutout, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts up against the Oakland A's. And he's got an interesting pitch mix, four seam fastball, sinkers, sliders, cutters, all four of them above average whiff rates. So he kind of changes it up in terms of what he throws each start, but all four look like they're pretty good pitches for Brian Wu. He is 68% rostered. Then we got Luis Severino, who might be turning a corner. He uh, was up against the Tigers on Monday. He threw seven shutout innings with eight strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes on 99 pitches, 12 of those coming on the fastball. I thought that was pretty encouraging for him. And uh, Wade Miley. Turned in a quality start at the Cubs. Six innings, two runs, only one strikeout. But now on the year, a 317 ERA, a 114 whip. Not entirely sure that I could explain what Wade Miley has done this year outside of limiting hard contact. He might just be this year's Martin Perez for whatever that's worth. But Scott, how would you rank uh, Wade Miley, Luis Severino, Johan Oviedo, and Brian Woo? I got to pull up the list to make sure I don't forget any of them. <laughs> And it's not loading. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, okay, so I think I'd rank Brian Wu number one. A lot of these pitchers who've performed well, we look at their expected stats, well, like we just did for Oviedo, and it's like, ugh, I don't know about that. But uh, Wu entered this start with a 328x ERA, so he has actually underperformed what stat casts say he should be. I've also noticed that his cutter since returning has actually been down one and a half, two miles per hour. You know, only two starts, but still, that's a that's a notable drop. And yet it hasn't diminished its effectiveness. In fact, he seems to be throwing it a little bit more, actually. So uh, that's, that's something else to take note of since his, he has performed as well as he has since returning. Yeah, 28% cutters in this one. His career rate, I mean, a season rate is only 10%, so 28 versus 10. That's a pretty big increase in cutter usage. Uh, okay, I think I got it pulled up here. So Wu number one, 
followed by is Oviedo in this group? Yeah, Oviedo, Severino, Wade Miley. I guess I'm going to go Oviedo too, which is not speaking very highly of the rest of the group. Severino three because there's a chance he gets back to being his old self and Wade Miley four. I this was a weird start from Severino. He did it did uh, follow up another quality effort in the most literal sense. Severino's last start, he gave up no earned runs in six and two thirds innings, but he had only two strikeouts. He had only five swinging strikes. He didn't look like. It wasn't a retro Severino performance by any measure other than the run prevention, I guess. He got the eight strikeouts, the 15 swinging strikes in the start at Detroit, but 12 of the 15 whiffs are on the fastball. You know, Severino, in the olden days, he'd get the whiffs on his slider. That's still not playing like it needs to play, I think, for him to be a success. So I think this is fool's gold from Severino, and I don't want you to be fooled. That's why I'm ranking him behind Oviedo, who I didn't have that many nice things to say about. Yeah, and I mostly agree on Severino. It feels like, I guess, over the past two starts, it's, you know, he's gotten the fastball back and maybe over his next couple of starts, if we see the slider improve, but we're kind of running out of time. I will say, like, his next start is at Houston. If Severino puts together a good start at Houston and then we're looking at three quality starts in a row, then maybe our, our confidence gains a little bit more in him moving forward. A few other names in uh, deeper leagues here. Very interesting start for Reese Olsen, opposite of Luis Severino. He only recorded 13 outs, four and a third innings, one run allowed, 10 strikeouts. 10 of his 13 outs came via the strikeout. Obviously, the Yankees do swing and miss quite a bit. 20 swinging strikes on 100 pitches for Reese Olsen. 11 of those on the slider. Only allowed two hard hits in this game. I remain intrigued by Reese Olsen. I, I don't know that he's going to, if it's going to happen this year, it might, it might be like a down the line dynasty conversation or something like that. But that slider, yeah. if nothing else, it's a really, really good slider for uh, Reese Olsen there. And then Tyler McGill struck out a season high eight against the Texas Rangers. Six innings, one run, uh, eight strikeouts, only nine swinging strikes, allowed a lot of hard contact. I don't, the velocity was up quite a bit. I, I guess that part of it was pretty interesting. Uh, deeper league mm-hmm. names here, Scott. Anything on Reese Olsen and Tyler McGill? Yeah, I do think there's talent with Reese Olsen, like you were saying. That slider, as you pointed out, it, it entered this start with a 42% whiff rate as his most thrown pitch. Most thrown meaning like a third of the time. It's not like he throws it half the time or anything. But still, when you're most thrown pitch, you're getting a better than a 40% whiff rate. Generally, that Generally, that's going to lead to good things. I just think he's... He's, you know, he's still, he's still green. He's still green. He's not pitching deep enough into starts to be that useful. And the results are inconsistent, even though that pitch is effective. So it's more, he's, he's positioned. It's more about results. And I think positioning himself as a, as a potential sleeper next year, uh, as you said. Uh, also, I will mention you, the, the velocity for Tyler McGill has been up for a while now. And so I was kind of waiting for an outing like this. So it's it's uh, five all five starts in August. The velocity on the fastball and slider has been up about two miles per hour. Pretty significant. But the overall numbers for the month are not great. Mostly, this was 
basically this was the first good start for Tyler McGill. And as you point out, still a lot of hard contact, still not a lot of missed bats. I don't think it's reason to act on McGill, but I also wouldn't be surprised if if he put together a few more starts like this down the stretch. Doesn't mean I want to pick him up or trust in him much. I did start him in the 2014 Skyway Dynasty League, a points league, because that's obviously a format where you have to go very deep at starting pitching. But I don't think most people have reason to care about Tyler McGill at this point. All right, before we hit the break, just want to mention a few massive hitter performances here. Jose Altuve hit for the cycle, the ninth in Houston Astros history. He added four runs and four RBI. He is still as good as ever, man. 322 batting average, 10 homers, 13 steals, a 944 OPS. And he's done that with a 50% ground ball rate. So if that kind of regresses closer to where he's been at the past two years, I think we could see even more power down the stretch for uh, Jose Altuve. And if you're facing Ronald Acuna in a head-to-head league this week, I'm sorry, because he is scheduled for seven games, three of those in Coors Field, and he's already off to a massive start. I was joking with a buddy of mine that Ronald Acuna was going to put up 50 fantasy points this week on CBS. And uh, he already has 22 in his first of seven games. Four for five with a sock and two shoes. 29th homer. He's up to 61 steals on the year. I don't know if there's anything else to say about these two, Scott. They're both awesome. Jose Altuve and Ronald Acuna. Yeah, they are. I did regret, though, since you brought up a 50-point week for an outfielder, I did regret not mentioning on yesterday's podcast that Adam Duvall had a 52-point week. Did he really? Last week? He did. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we mentioned at the time he had homered five times in seven games. I think all seven of those games spanned the week. He homered again here on Monday, did Adam Duvall. So he's now up to six home runs in eight games. We've seen this guy get ridiculously hot before. We know who he is. I mean, he's in his mid-30s, and I don't think anything. I don't think the profile's changing, but all-or-nothing guy, when when he's delivering the all instead of the nothing, it is something to be in awe of. And uh, hopefully you started him this week. He was among my sleeper hitters, so... I recommended it from the great to the unfortunate brutal news and timing as well for Matt McClain, who was placed on the IL with a right oblique strain at 6:30 PM Eastern time with games starting 10 minutes later at 6:40 PM Eastern time myself. I wasn't near a computer at the time, so he's locked into three of my lineups. It wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people who play in weekly leagues, they just, didn't see it at the time or, you know, the Reds didn't start till 945. The problem, Scott, was that the options I had on the bench for second base or shortstop, wherever I was using him, they were already locked. They were locked by the time I noticed. I think it was like eight o'clock. And I was like, what, what happened here? Mm-hmm. Matt McLean. So sucks. Yeah, it, it is. And every time, every time I, I point out, you know, something like this that makes you want to pull your hair out. Like if I if I point it out on Twitter, the responses are all just like, this is why you play daily leagues. Okay. I will take this occasional frustration not to have to set my lineups every single day. But if, <laughs> if you enjoy playing in daily leagues so that you don't have to 
worry like so so that you don't get stuck with a player at the start of the week who doesn't get any at bats for the week then i'm not going to say you're wrong uh i guess i guess you don't share in our frustration today uh, while we're talking about Matt McLean, you likely need a replacement. If you play in a shallower league, Zach Geloff still just 76% rostered. Uh, two names we'll talk about a little bit later on. Royce Lewis, back-to-back days with a grand slam. Jorge Polanco looks like he's heating up. Both of those guys have... Well, Royce Lewis has shortstop. Jorge Polanco has second base eligibility. And in a deeper league, J.P. Crawford is a name we haven't really talked much about, but he's he's actually been pretty solid, at, at least in points leagues. He's been really good in that format. Let's take our first break. When we return, we will talk about the Red Sox. They promoted one of their top prospects. We'll do that right after this. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome back, and a quick reminder to join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group. Obviously, it's free. You can go to facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today or just Log on to Facebook, on the app, on the computer, search up Fantasy Baseball Today, you'll find the group, you can join up. If you are watching us on YouTube, scan that QR code that will take you right to our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group. Let's talk about the Red Sox who promoted their top outfield prospect, Sedan Rafaela, who if you listen to our five-minute podcast, FBTN5, you probably have heard us talk about him quite a bit. He's a 22-year-old outfield prospect that was batting 302 with 20 homers, 36 steals, and an 869 OPS over 108 games this season at AA and AAA. And uh, the corresponding move, Willier Abreu was placed on the paternity list, which brings us to the main question, Scott. Uh, will Rafaela actually stick around? He wasn't in the lineup on Monday against... Christian Javier, a right-handed pitcher. Uh, he did pinch hit. He picked up a single. Your thoughts on Rafaela and whether or not he actually sticks around? Well, look, they had to add him to the 40-man roster to get him up now. So uh, I, I don't know if you've looked at the calendar lately, Frank, but we are two days away from September 1st when rosters expand. So I imagine about the time William Abreu is returning from paternity leave, 
rosters will be expanded. And so I, I am guessing Rafaela sticks around. Now, how much he plays is a different question. I think the, the fact that he's the Red Sox best defensive center fielder and a fast runner, those are reasons to, to keep him around just as a late inning replacement, whether it's on the bases or in the field. He can also play shortstop in addition to center field. So that makes him a handy player to have around. But he's only going to be valuable in fantasy if he's actually starting and starting regularly. And, you know, because William Abreu's looks so good himself, uh, and at some point you would imagine Jaron Duran will be back and adding to the clutter there, I just don't know. I'm just not confident, I guess is how I'll put it, that Rafaela will get the playing time we need him to get. Uh, he is supposed to be in the lineup Tuesday, I remember seeing. So, you know, one for one as a pinch hitter in this game Monday. If he gets a couple more hits Tuesday, maybe that'll open the door to more playing time right away. And we'll have a different conversation later this week. But I am probably not going to bother with Rafaela outside of deeper five outfielder leagues right now. Say 15 teams or more in that league. I actually had him stashed in such a league already so like to to talk about him as a hitter i mean if we just if we just begin with the numbers that sedan rafaela was putting up between double and triple a 302 batting average 20 homers 36 steals and 870 ops looks great very very aggressive hitter and that is from from what i've read the Red Sox as an organization are skeptical of the bat because of that. They think against major league pitchers, he's going to chase too much. Even though he doesn't strike out much, he's good at making contact on the pitches he swings at. He pitches, he, he swings at too many bad pitches. And that's something major league pitchers will be able to exploit easier. It's also not a lot of like raw power. It's power that could play well to his pull side. Green Monster, obviously, in left field at Fenway Park. Uh, and as I mentioned, he has the speed we like in fantasy. So there, there are offensive attributes to work with here for Sedan Rafaela. But his best skill is his glove, which of course doesn't mean anything to us except for how it impacts playing time. And while there, he, while he may turn into a good hitter, there, like I said, there are tools that could make him into that. It is the more questionable part of his skill set. Yeah. And the Red Sox, at least for this season, they have a great problem. They have a log jam of all these hitters and outfielders and DH and in their outfield right now, they've got Verdugo and they've got Duvall and they have Yoshida and a Braves coming back. And then even if you look at DH, they have Justin Turner. If they wanted to move him to first base, they can't do that because Tristan Casas has been so good for so long too. So it's, it's a good problem for the Red Sox, but I think as, yeah. of, as for this season, it's probably going to be pretty tough for Rafaela and honestly, even a brave to find consistent playing time. So, well, Turner had even started, he, he had begun to pick up starts at second base, which if he could still do that, then I'd be more optimistic, but because he's playing through this bad case of plantar fasciitis and yeah, seems pretty hobbled. Uh, I, I think he's going to be, Oh, he has gotten a couple starts at first base recently, but I doubt they're going to play him at second base anymore moving forward. I think it's just, it's mostly going to be DH occasional starts at first base. Let's move over to waiver wire hitters and a couple names we've mentioned a lot recently, but they're young, they're fun, they're exciting. I think there's lots of upside for, 
I mean, this season and probably for the future as well. Royce Lewis, back-to-back days with a grand slam. Uh, He's got four homers over his last six games. If you just look at his career to this point, he's played 50 games, Royce Lewis, batting 313, 10 homers, an 883 OPS, 150 game pace. That's a 30 home run hitter. So lots of uh, power and hit tool there for Royce Lewis. He's 63% rostered. We keep talking about him, but he's still out there in over a third of CBS leagues. Uh, Jorge Polanco, two for four with his 10th home run. He has three straight multi-hit games. And since returning from the IL, he's batting 265 with six homers, two steals, 90.5 average exit velocity. And Brian Hayes, he might be figuring it out because this stretch that we talked about, okay, it starts off at seven games, then it's 10, then it's 15. Well, now we're up to 23 games since returning from the IL where Brian Hayes is batting 323, five homers, 18 RBI, 94 mile per hour average exit velocity, a 45% fly ball rate. He's pulling the ball more than he has ever before. 67% rostered. Scott, rank him. Royce Lewis, Jorge Polanco, Brian Hayes. Uh, Royce Lewis is the clear number one in my mind. Uh, tough call between the other two. I mean, Polanco's playing basically every day. I, I keep thinking that could become an issue. Playing time could become an issue for him. And obviously we've seen him go on the IL a couple times this year. So you can't feel totally confident in his ability to be available one way or the other. But I think I'm inclined to put him second. I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of Hayes still. I don't mind picking him up as a hot hand play. But, you know, we've certainly seen players with the suboptimal profile where they're, constantly hitting the ball and on the ground and it just prevents them from making use of their natural power. We've seen them fake it for a month, a month long period at a time. And then they go back to being their normal selves. Uh, was it Eric Hosmer who did that? One of his years with San Diego and we got really excited about him and then he just turned back into Eric Hosmer again. Yeah. And so I, I think that's more likely what's happening with Hayes. It's, it's not like, a player has never changed his batted ball profile, particularly one who's still as young as Hayes is. But I think if you're placing bets on it, I would bet on him turning back into Cabrian Hayes rather than continuing to do this. So I'll rank him third of the three. And again, consider him more like a hot hand play. Yeah, and you might need a third base replacement right now because Matt Chapman was placed in the IL. He's still 92% rostered, so... Seems like a lot of people were still relying on him. All three of these players have third base eligibility. Again, Royce Lewis, Jorge Polanco, and Brian Hayes. A name we have not talked much about, J.P. Crawford went two for four with his 12th home run. And over his last seven games, he's batting 296 with two homers. On the year, he has a 384 on base percentage in 805 OPS. And if you look over the last 28 days, J.P. Crawford entering Monday, was averaging 3.4 fantasy points per game. So I think he's very clearly better in like a points league or some kind of OBP format, but he's leading off, Scott, for one of the hottest lineups in baseball right now. Your thoughts on J.P. Crawford, 46% rostered. Yeah, I was surprised to see how usable he's been last time I updated my rest of season rankings. So... If you're just looking at total fantasy points for J.P. Crawford, he's right behind Xander Bogarts. I understand Xander Bogarts hasn't had 
a Xander Bogarts-like season, but he's still somebody who we think of as a starter in most formats. And if you do head-to-head points per game for J.P. Crawford, 2.79, that's versus 2.58 for Bogarts. He's actually been significantly better than Bogarts on a per-game basis in that scoring format. I don't think... I don't think he has the upside for much more than that, but with with the plate discipline, with his, um, you know, how how high he bats in the lineup, he's usable for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, two names that are rostered in more leagues than J.P. Crawford: Tim Anderson, fifty eight percent, he's gone. You could drop him for <laughs> J.P. Crawford. Ahmed yep. Rosario, he's like barely playing for the Dodgers. He's sixty eight percent rostered. He can go. You could drop him for J.P. Crawford. Um, the collapse of Ahmed Rosario, like, yeah. So he was a he was better than a four win player last year for the Guardians, and in, you a, know, con- was a, in a contract year too. Wow, it's crazy. And, and a decent player for the Mets before that. I, I think it, it was was he a consensus top? Certainly a consensus top fifteen shortstop coming into this year. Was he? Mm, I mean, I know I didn't have him in my top twelve, but was he getting drafted around there? I, I don't know. He was. A, he was it was a pretty, pretty deep position. Yeah, probably top twenty at least. But yeah, he's probably being drafted um, as like a middle infielder. I yeah. Think. So the Guardians traded him to the Dodgers for Noah Syndergaard, who they've <laughs> since DFA'd, and the Dodgers aren't even playing Ahmed Rosario. So so weird. So this. Uh, Former top prospect, still in his late 20s, seemed like he was rounding into form last year, is now just not considered much of an asset at all, apparently. No, no, he is not. Let's slide over to Gabriel Moreno, who went two for four with his sixth home run, added three RBI, and in the month of August, since returning, he's played 12 games. He's batting 364 with three homers. 12 RBI and a 1073 OPS. We've talked a lot about catchers recently, Scott. I think very clearly, Cabert Ruiz is ahead. Uh, who else is in that mix? Yiner Diaz. Yiner Diaz is ahead. Cal Raleigh is ahead. But how about once we get into like the Mitch Garver, Logan O'Hoppy? Where would Gabriel Moreno rank amongst those three? So I I kind of feel like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop with Garver because he's burned us so many times over the years. But he's been very good. It's actually what's that? He's been very good this season. Yeah, and I I was looking at the playing time when I was writing the waiver wire column yesterday. He started uh, like twelve straight games for the Rangers, mostly at DH, but. The, he he did well enough in Jonah Heim's absence that the the Rangers seem to be willing to dedicate that DH bot to him now when he's not backing up Heim at catcher, and he's certainly delivering on his production for his career. His home runs per plate appearance rate, Mitch Garver in his career better than Will Smith's. So like he delivers when he's healthy, and he's healthy and he's playing right now. So given how little of the season is left, I'm inclined to give him the edge over Gabriel Moreno, understanding that he's the one who's more likely to disappear between the two. Uh, and then Logan O'Hoppy, I'll put behind both of them just because he hasn't done anything since returning, right? Yeah. And it was really just a stretch of a couple weeks, two or three weeks prior to the injury where he was looking like a fantasy mainstay. Yeah, I think Moreno is mostly still for two catcher leagues. I had a league where I had to put Henry Davis on the IL. I picked up Moreno. So I think 
any type of 12-team, two-catcher league, uh, if you were rocking with someone like Tyler Stevenson, who's been pretty bad, or Alejandro Kirk still to this point, it's, yeah, I think you can cut bait and, and pick up someone like Gabriel Moreno. Three names in deeper leagues. DJ Stewart, who I mentioned last week, he, you know, continues to do some things here. One for two with his seventh home run and over his last 12 games, hitting 366 with six home runs. Uh, also has started nine straight for the Mets. Ramon Laureano went two for four with a run scored. I know we've kind of, we've done the Laureano thing before. We're kind of over it. He's with the Guardians now. They're giving him a chance to play. He has multiple hits in four of his last five games. Also two home runs during that span. And Hunter Goodman, who we mentioned yesterday, now starts off his career with uh, back-to-back multi-hit games. How would you rank these in terms of your interest in uh, deeper leagues, Scott? DJ Stewart, Ramon Laureano, and Hunter Goodman. First of all, I want to point out Garver was out of the lineup here on Monday. <laughs> right. So actually the streak of him starting in consecutive games ended at 11. Uh, you know, doesn't change my last answer. We, I didn't think he was never going to sit again, but that is, yeah, that, that's fitting that the time I notice it is the time he's out of the lineup. Okay, as for these three deep options, I think the one who has a chance to emerge is more than a deep option is Hunter Goodman because he seems to have an open lane here at first base for the Rockies of all teams who are going to play a lot at home down the stretch. And he hits the ball plenty hard. His double here on Monday was hit 110 miles per hour. Uh, The power's legit. The biggest reason he was under the radar as a prospect is because he didn't have a position to play. He was kind of an out-of-position catcher. And a now confined to first base, a right-handed hitter who doesn't walk a ton. And, you know, that profile, it's hard to make room for that profile, but the Rockies do have room for it right now. And I think Hunter Goodman could really surprise down the stretch. Uh, don't have a lot of hope for the other two. I mean, DJ Stewart, he has a lot of raw power. I know he hit a bunch of home runs late for the uh, for the Orioles late in the 2021 season but with low batting average, and obviously they didn't have much use for him after that. I just think, uh, like, if, if if you're choosing between DJ Stewart and Matt Walner, I think Walner's the better bet. I think the Twins have a little more invested in him. But ultimately, they're both probably not going to give you much apart from home runs, even though I understand Stewart's batting average looks good right now. All right, let's run through some news and notes. Bo Bichette was out of the lineup Monday, as we suspected, and will undergo an MRI on his right quad. Ozzie Albies returned just in time for that series in Coors Field. He was batting second, while Michael Harris was dropped down to ninth in the order. Vaughn Grissom was also sent back to the minors. Rafael Devers was back in the lineup after dealing with a wrist issue on Sunday. Some pretty big news we got. Tony Gonsolin will undergo Tommy John surgery on Friday, which means he'll miss most, if not all, of the 2024 season. We were talking beforehand, Scott. We give the Rays a lot of crap for their pitchers constantly getting hurt. You look at the Dodgers the past couple of years, they've also had a lot of injuries to their starting pitchers. Yeah. I don't feel like I've given the Rays a lot of crap. Maybe I have. Don't with this Royal We stuff, Frank. Come on, we're a collective. We're we're a unit here. No, we're not. We're not a glob. Oh, we are. On. We are in our own individual compartments. Your words are hurtful, Scott. Do you want to? <laughs> we're a unit. Do you want to be we're, a glob with me? We're a podcast team. Uh, yeah. 
I, I don't know that we have to share opinions on the how the Rays handled their pitchers, though. Or the Dodgers, for that matter. Uh, I don't know. Pitchers get hurt. I, I, they, they probably both invest in the same kind of pitcher who who has standout metrics on his fastball and that's going to put more strain on the arm. There, there may be something to that, but I think mostly it's just pitchers get injured and they've gotten a little bit more injured for those two clubs this year. Speaking of pitchers getting injured, you Darvish was placed on the IL with right elbow inflammation and we have no idea how long he's dealt with it, but perhaps could explain his down season. He's also 37 years old, so there's that. Merrill Kelly has been cleared to start Tuesday against the Dodgers. He left his last start with a cramp in his right hamstring. Nathan Avaldi felt tightness in his side following a bullpen session last Thursday. He is slated to throw another bullpen on Tuesday, so doesn't sound like it's that bad if he's going to throw again. Josh Naylor will begin a rehab assignment Tuesday at AA. He's been out since August 1st with a right oblique strain and was having a pretty big season before he got hurt. 306 batting average with 15 homers and an 846 OPS. Matt Chapman was placed on the IL with a right middle finger sprain. Davis Schneider started at third base and was batting cleanup for the Blue Jays on Monday. Carlos Correa told Ken Rosenthal that since being diagnosed with plantar fasciitis in late May, quote, every step is a struggle. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to say that it's been a, uh, a pretty big down year for Carlos Correa as well. He also said nothing that he's dealt with in his career has been more painful than this. So I don't think it's excuse making. I mean, it's convenient that he's bringing it up now, but <laughs> I, I think it probably more likely it's an explanation that that explains what has been hard to explain this year, which is his production at being as, uh, as far down as it is. I, I know he was a disappointment his first year with Minnesota too, but a lot of that, and we, we went over this a lot in the offseason, a lot of that was tied to the run and RBI production being suspiciously low. He had an 834 OPS. He hit 291. And his what what he actually could control with the bat in his hands, Carlos Correo did great with that last year. So I, I don't think I don't think this is a continuation of a trend this year. I think it's something completely new and had been hard to explain until he what he said here about the plantar fasciitis. So uh, that might be reason for some optimism heading into that into next year, though I can't imagine. Carlos Correa is going to be ranked like a starting caliber shortstop next year. No, no, he should not. Edwin Diaz threw a bullpen session Sunday and sported a fastball that sat around 93 to 95 miles per hour. Diaz remained adamant his goal is to pitch again this season. Ryan Helsley said he's expecting to be activated from the IL on Wednesday. What do you think happens in the Cardinals bullpen? I gotta think, if if he... If he comes in, he looks right, he doesn't have any more issues with the elbow, I got to think he's going to get the majority of the saves for them from this point forward. I know they were less consistent than we wanted them to be when he was healthy uh, because it seemed like Oliver Marmol was just using him in the highest leverage spot and that often wasn't the ninth inning in the Cardinals' case. But, I mean... Gallegos has been terrible since then. And the best alternative is Jojo Romero. And I, I have a hard time believing 
that Romero is going to steal that many save chances from Helsley. But that's a big if. If the, the health factor, because he had his rehab assignment shut down and then he came back and made one appearance. It didn't go very well. And now he's saying he's ready to be activated. I'm, I'm a little skeptical about that part of it, more so than the decision-making of, of who gets the call in the ninth. All right, Mason Miller will make his next rehab appearance Tuesday at AAA. Could be his last outing before joining the A's. As Scott mentioned, this weekend, rosters will expand. Uh, that could get Mason Miller back out there. J.D. Martinez is expected to join the Dodgers during the upcoming road trip to Miami and Washington. He was placed on the IL on August 22nd due to left groin tightness. Bailey Ober, which we mentioned earlier, was option two AAA. He's struggled in August and has already surpassed his career high in innings. Cal Quantrill expected to return to the Guardians rotation later this week. 22% rostered. No interest, who cares? Uh, the Royals will skip Brady Singer's upcoming turn through the rotation after he experienced a velocity drop and some arm fatigue. Gavin Stone was optioned back to AAA after throwing six innings of relief on Sunday. Ryan Pepio could be recalled to start on Wednesday. The Braves optioned Jared Schuster back to AAA and recalled Darius Vines. Vines in the minors this year. 270 ERA, a 111 whip. And this is someone who has insane swinging strike numbers in the minors. He's also 25 years old. Uh, only made nine starts this season in the minors, uh, dealing with a shoulder injury. Is there anything here, Scott? Anything we need to know about Darius Vines? Yeah, I had him as kind of a deep sleeper prospect coming into the year. I wrote about it in the prospects report a few times last year because he does seem to miss a lot of bats for a prospect who isn't particularly high profile. His changeup in particular uh, seems like it could be a special pitch. Does he have enough of a breaking ball to to really succeed as a major league starter? I haven't seen anything new about that this year. I haven't I haven't seen much about him this year at all, to be honest. Um, but I don't think anybody needs to go and add vines outside of the very deepest of leagues. I am interested in seeing how he fares, though. In the same way I was interested once upon a time in seeing how Jared Schuster and Darius Vine, or not Darius Vines, that's what we're talking about. Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd would fare for the Braves. I, I suspect Vines will be closer to them than not, but maybe not. Last but not least, Adrian Hauser was placed on the IL with right elbow effusion. Let's take our final break, and when we return, we'll talk about some of those struggling pitchers. Trey Turner might be back. We'll do that right after this. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. 
It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, and let's talk about some of those struggling pitchers. We already mentioned Giolito and Christian Javier. Chris Sale was inefficient once again, albeit in a tough matchup against the Houston Astros. Four and two-thirds innings, seven hits, three runs, two walks, six strikeouts, continues to throw a ton of sliders, but... Obviously didn't help him uh, too much in this outing. Andrew Abbott struggled again. He was at the Giants. He allowed three runs over three and a third innings. And over his last six starts, Andrew Abbott, a 667 ERA, a 181 whip. Last but not least, Kenta Maeda has struggled a little bit as well. He allowed six runs over four innings. And over his last three starts, an 831 ERA and a 169 whip. Scott, what do we do with these three? Kenta Maeda, Andrew Abbott, Chris Sale. Do we hold? Do we bench? What do you think? The one I have the most confidence in, I guess, is Chris Sale. I I think definitely hold him. Uh, The one I have the least confidence in is actually Kenta Maeda because this is three bad starts in a row after looking like... Looking like he had rediscovered his form from 2020 when he was nothing short of a fantasy ace. First start, first nine starts back from the IL. Kinta Maeda had a 236 ERA, 0.95 whip, 11.2 K per nine. The fact things have gone so badly since then for a pitcher who uh, is not particularly durable makes me wonder if there's something going on with them physically. And, you know, it just so... By the way, those bad three starts were all against really good matchups, Detroit, Milwaukee, Cleveland, and he still fell apart against them. It's a shame that, you know, he had these the two start. He was lined up for the two starts this week. I think we all felt like we had to start him, and it doesn't look like it's going to go for, very well. Uh, but if that second start this week goes poorly, then I think he could probably move on from Kinta Maeda. We've talked about Andrew Abbott before. This seems like the regression to the mean that we kept being fearful of when he was doing so well upon initially being called up. It's a lot of regression hitting all at once, and it makes him hard to trust. Again, it's a shame he had two starts this week in the middle of this this rough patch. Doesn't seem like he's going to turn it around. We'll see how the second start goes before setting our lineups again next week, but I've lost a lot of faith, I would say, in Abbott to close out the year. Would you, at this point, drop either Kent Maeda or Andrew Abbott for Kyle Harrison? Either one. Uh, I'd be much more inclined to do Maeda, as I already said. I'd rather not drop drop Abbott if I can help it. But if if it's to get somebody like Harrison or, of course, Cole Reagans, then sure. All right, let's talk about Trey Turner, who went two for three with a double dong. And fun moment, I guess... I don't know. I think it's a fun moment. It's fun the way that everything kind of transpired after it happened. But on August 4th, 
Citizens Bank Park, a standing ovation for Trey Turner. It, it, the game before, he made a brutal error that cost him the game against the Marlins, and he came out and said, I need to be better, you know, blah, 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 making all this money. Uh, he received that standing ovation on August 4th. In 22 games since, Trey Turner is batting 356 with seven homers, 18 runs, 20 RBI, two steals, 91.2 average exit velocity, 10 barrels during that time. Scott, 22 game sample. What do you think? Is Trey Turner back? He's hot. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think he's back. I the plate discipline metrics this year for him strongly indicate to me a guy who's getting older, and he's you know he's what thirty now. Yeah, thirty. Yeah. He's thirty, and his game was so much built on athleticism and. <sighs> His zone contact rate is by far the lowest of his career. His chase rate is up. His whiff rate is all. Everything looks bad along those lines. So I I do think for most of the year he was still underachieving, but I don't think he's going to get back to being this three twenty hitting, uh, you know, twenty five homer forty steal guy. For it's worth noting. That for all the home runs he's hit in August, he's only hitting like 320 for the month. It's also worth noting he has just two stolen bases for the month. You know, he's this is him at his absolute hottest, and it's mostly built on home runs, which is not the main thing we depended on Trey Turner to give us in the past. So I'm glad his numbers are coming around to a certain extent. He's still batting what 250 something on the year. And sounds uh, right. You know, next year, I, I'm i going to rank him more like a 270, 275 hitter, I think, than, than the uh, batting title contender we had considered him to be in the past. Trey Turner up to a 255 batting average on the season. Let's say Trey Turner is a second-round pick in a 12-team Roto League next year. Do you think you could be in at that price? Maybe. I have yet to line up the names. Do you know where, because I know there was a way too early mock draft going on and it was a 15-teamer, of course, because that's all these guys want to do. Do you know where he went in that? He went at pick 16. So that's, you know, pretty early in round two. I, I think I'd rather take other players at that point, but we'll see once I actually line the players up. So he went just ahead of Bo Bichette, and you're not going to like this one, Scott. Corey Seager. Ah, <laughs> now give me Seags. Uh, all right, let's get into some pitching leftovers from Monday. Grayson Rodriguez continues to dominate since returning. Facing the White Sox, he threw six shutout innings, only one hit, one walk, six strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 96 pitches. The velocity remains up for G-Rod and eight starts back with the Orioles, a 2.83 ERA and a .99 whip. John Gray has been very up and down this season, but turned in a quality start at the Mets. Six innings, three runs with nine strikeouts and 19 swinging strikes on 89 pitches. Blake Snell continued his magical season at the Cardinals. Seven shutout innings, two hits, one walk, uh, not, not one walk, one walk plus four more, five walks, nine strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes for Blake Snell. He continues to lead all of baseball with a 260 ERA on the year. 
Any thoughts on Snell, John Gray, and G-Rod? Yeah, I have some thoughts. I don't know that I have enough time to give them all. Give them all, baby. Grayson Rodriguez had a great start. In eight starts since returning, 283 RA, 0.99 whip, only 7.7K per nine. No more than six strikeouts in any one start. I'm still waiting for that 11-strikeout game from Grayson Rodriguez before I'm fully bought in. He does have a 13% swinging strike rate since returning, which you'd think would yield a pretty good strikeout rate. So overall, I think he's on the right track. I've been saying this basically since he got called up, but I'm still waiting for that breakout start. And it's not a one-hit effort against the White Sox, apparently. Uh, Okay, so that's what I had to say about Grayson Rodriguez. Next up is John Gray. John Gray has had seven straight starts where his slider usage is way up. It was 48% in this one. It's been over 50% in some of those starts. And the whiffs are way up with the slider usage. He had 19 in this start, just the overall whiff whiff rate during that seven-star stretch. Very good. (laughs) The actual uh, performance has been all over the place. So I don't know what to make of that. I, I, I think John Gray is doing the right thing by throwing the slider more. But if it's not getting better results, I mean, obviously he's obviously he's no more than in the glob and, and maybe even a stretch to say he's in the glob right now, despite this nine strikeout effort at the Mets. And then finally, Blake Snell. So I was wondering how rare this is. You say he leads the majors in, in, with, in, in ERA. That's with... That's despite having 5.1 walks per nine innings. Over five, you know, it, it'd be rare for somebody to have a walk rate over four per nine and lead the majors and ERA, to have a good ERA, you know, and he's doing it with more than five walks per nine. In Major League history, the only other pitchers with at least 20 starts... No, I, I phrased that wrong. In Major League history, the only pitchers with at least 20 starts and five walks per nine who have a lower ERA, who had a lower ERA than Blake Snell has now, are Nolan Ryan, only did it one year, Hal Newhauser, Sam McDowell, and Marty O'Toole. I don't know who those last three guys are, (laughs) but the point is it's really, really rare what Snell is doing right now. And that makes me a little wary of it, not going to lie. Uh, we've been saying that for months now, and he continues to keep runs off the board, but I don't know. I don't know. Now, th- at this point, there's nothing you could do about it. You just keep starting him and hold your breath, but I remain wary. Blake Snell, an unrestricted free agent after this season. It's going to be very interesting. Who's going to be the one to pony up for Blake Snell? A few hitting leftovers. Bryce Harper continues his awesome August. He went one for five, one for three with his 13th home run, uh, batting 360 with eight home runs in the month. Aaron Judge went one for three with his 29th home run. He's ha- he has seven homers in his last 10 games. Gunnar Henderson, two for four with two stolen bases. Anthony Santander sat out three games in a row uh, last week and seems like it helped get him back on track. Two for four with his 25th home run. And over his last six games, he has 10 hits and four homers. That's Anthony Santander. C.J. Abrams, three for five with three more steals. He is now up to 37 on the season. He has played 45 games since being moved up to the leadoff spot. C.J. Abrams batting 283 with seven homers and 26 steals 
during that time. Jordan Alvarez went four for four with his 22nd home run. Christian Yelich, two for five with his 17th homer. His first home run in the month of August. Took him 28 days in the month to get his first home run. Uh, lots of ground balls in August. Uh, that's kind of held back Christian Yelich. Do you remember when Austin Riley had an underwhelming first half? Me neither. Two for five with his 31st home run. And in the second half, he is hitting 291 with 15 homers and a 977 OPS. Julio Rodriguez, the guy has been amazing. Four for five, <laughs> 24th homer. And in August, hitting 429, seven homers, 30 RBI. In no, I wrote down 30 games. There's no way. There's only been 28 days in August. So he hasn't played 30 games, but he has 30 RBI and an 1198 OPS. So remember when we talked about Julio Rodriguez, I don't know, I guess it was last week, a couple weeks ago, when he first started getting hot, and I said, I, I acted like it was a big deal, saying I, I thought he was going to beat last year's batting average of 284. At the time, I'm not even sure he was hitting 260. But no, I, he's going to beat last year's 284 average. That's what I predict is going to happen. Bold prediction. He's at 286 now. <laughs> Yeah. I said at the time he wasn't going to get four hits every day. And so, you know, it might take the rest of the season for him to get there. Five of his last 10 games, he's gotten at least four hits. So it's been every other day on average that he's gotten four hits. And so now he's up to 286. He's already beaten last year's batting average and uh, is, you know, better late than never living up to that first round price tag. This is an awesome stat from Sarah Langs on X formerly known as Twitter. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, 28 hits in his last 10 games, the most by a player in a 10-game span since Kenny Lofton in 1997. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow, wow. Awesome stuff. Call to the bullpen for the Phillies. Craig Kimbrell tossed a clean ninth inning for his 21st save. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano was unavailable, so Jordan Hicks picked up his 12th save. For the Rangers, Aroldis Chapman and Will Smith was unavailable. Jose LeClerc, remember the name? Struck out two for his second save. It's full circle, Scott. Everything goes in a circle. Time is a flat circle, something like that. The Padres, Josh Hader, struck out two for his 28th save. The Giants, Camilo Duvall, picked up his, that's got to be league-leading 35th save, right? That sounds right. Did I just make that up? Let's see. Uh, I did not. That is a league-leading 35th save. And then for the Dodgers, Evan Phillips was unavailable, so Caleb Ferguson picked up his third save of the year. To stream or not to stream on Tuesday, and I think yesterday we said Dean Kramer and Brandon Williamson. That's who we said. I like Kramer especially against the White Stockings. Okay. And then on Wednesday, I think we could get behind Christopher Sanchez against the Angels, Kyle Hendricks against the Brewers, and I don't know, because I kind of like Cutter Crawford, but against the Astros, I don't like the matchup. Same thing with Brandon Fott. He's pitched well, but he's at the Dodgers. Eh. I think I'm just going Sanchez and Hendricks on Wednesday. I mean, I'd go Michaelis before those other two against the Padres. Eek. If, if you're forcing me to pick a third name here, yeah, that's the third name. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, and we will be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.